0: Episode 101, The Second Aramean War and Phileo Love. William Shakespeare, Henry V. This story shall the good man teach his son. And Crispin Crispin shall never go by, from this day to the ending of the world. But we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he never so vile. This day shall gentle his condition, and gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed that they are not here, and hold their manhoods cheap, while any man speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's day. When the Bible speaks of love, there is only one English word to describe love. But in the Greek, a more precise language, there is four words for the English word love. Considering the importance of love as the greatest commandment, it would be good to know the four Greek words for love in the Bible. The first of these is agape love, which is supernatural love, or simply the love of God. Eros is romantic love. Storge is family love, like a father for a child. And phileo love is a love of a brother. In this episode, we see one of the best pictures of phileo love in the Old Testament when Abishai and Joab find themselves completely surrounded in the midst of war and very close to death and the end of David's army and possibly his kingdom. And at this moment, two brothers stand and push back armies of darkness and fight for each other and their nation, and God does what is honorable in his sight. Second Samuel chapter ten. In the course of time, the king of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanun succeeded him as king. David thought, I will show kindness to Hanun, son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanun concerning his father. When David's men came to the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite commander said to Hanun their lord, Do you think David is honoring your father by sending envoys to you to express sympathy? Hasn't David sent them to you to only explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? So at noon, seized David's envoys, shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their garments at the buttocks, and sent them away. When David was told about this, he sent messengers to meet the men, for they were greatly humiliated. The king said, Stay at Jericho till your beards have grown back, and then come back. Alright, so this is a crazy affront to David's men, and an embarrassment and disgrace. Traditionally, we can't fathom the hurt and gut blow that this was to David, an affront to their honor. It reminds me of one of those action comedies where they take the clothes off the good guys and drop them off naked across town. But seriously, this was the equivalent of declaring war on David. So they're going to get it, and David's going to go after them. But to think that this was just some rash idea by a new king. Think again. This new king of the Ammonites, whose name was Hanun, took his treasure and sent vast sums of gold out to hire mercenaries and to set a trap for David. The result is one of the greatest battles of this era. 2 Samuel 10.6 When the Ammonites realized they had become obnoxious to David, they hired 20,000 Aramean foot soldiers from beth Rehob and Zobah, as well as the king of Mecca, with 1,000 men, and also 12,000 men from Tob. On hearing this, David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. Alright, note here. David recognized the threat and armies and alliances assembling against him. So he ordered Joab out with the army to take down the Ammonites and Arameans. But what's interesting is that David didn't go with his army, which is a stark departure from the old David. We'll find out in the next chapter where David was at this very moment. So we've got to think, David sends Joab out with a standing army of 35,000 men to take down the Ammonites, and they probably had vicious orders to enact justice for the treatment of his ambassadors. No better one to perform this than Joab and his brother Abishai, but unknown to them, they walk into a deadly trap, for the alliance had already been forged between the nations, and their armies were actually on the move and marching. So we've got to think that if David's relationship with God was where it was but only a year or two ago he would have known about this trap but his relationship with God was slipping and it was slipping incredibly fast and we'll cover that in the next episode because of David's slipping of his relationship with the omniscient God he was blind to the plans of the devil over him and his countrymen at this very moment in this upcoming battle but we thank God his men learned from him in the wilderness. And that's really all we can say. 2 Samuel 10.8 The Arameans came out and drew up in battle formation at the entrance of their city gate, while the Arameans of Zoba and Rehob and the men of Tob and Micah were by themselves in the open country. Alright, I mean seriously, this scene is ridiculous. Better than any movie blockbuster, here is Joab, with Israel's army in the field, wanting to besiege the capital of the Ammonites, Rabbah. The army of the Ammonites, which included their home militia, probably outnumbered Joab's men. Before the battle can begin, four other nation-states, Zobah, Rehob, Tob, and Mekah, come against David, David's army, led by Joab and Abishai, Again, for simplicity, these four nation states pretty much encompass the modern territory of Syria, and the Ammonites can be considered part of modern Jordan. So it's Syria and Jordan versus Israel, without David, its famous leader, who is mysteriously missing. But if Israel's officer corps was here in the field, and the bulk of their professional army was completely surrounded from multiple angles and multiple armies, it's honestly a crazy scene. Seriously, Joab and Abishai are ready for battle and about to charge the Ammonites when sounds of enemy troops come from behind them. The army of Israel was completely surrounded, overwhelmingly outnumbered, and the events that transpire in the actions of Joab and Abishai are nothing but heroic, and their faith is astounding. But there's something else in a hidden picture that can be painted. So picture it with me. There is two brothers, Joab and Abishai, our brothers. Remember this, and they are over the army. David is not present, and they talk. And if you can use your imagination, think of the background of war signs behind them. And imagine what's going on here. There's insane fear gripping Israel's best soldiers. David wasn't there, and these two brothers, burly men of another age, professional soldiers and men of war, possibly giving themselves their last words. 2 Samuel 10.9 Joab saw that there were battle lines in front of him and behind him. So he selected some of the best troops in Israel and deployed them against the Arameans. He put the rest of the men under the command of Abishai, his brother, and deployed them against the Ammonites. Joab said, If the Arameans are too strong for me, then you are to come to my rescue. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come to your rescue. Be strong. Let us be brave for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is honorable in his sight. All right, check it out. They basically say, go and fight against them and help me out if you can. you got my back and I've got your back. But I love their last words and it shows a strong faith in God and it declares their knowledge that God is good. Here's their last words again, Second Samuel 10, 12. Be strong. Let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is honorable in His sight. So Joab and Abishai divide their forces in the face of a numerically superior enemy. Really, who does that? I can think of Stonewall Jackson in the Civil War, a few others in history, but seriously, they split their forces and attack, being completely outnumbered and surrounded. It's crazy. Joab basically takes the best of the soldiers of Israel, probably the mighty men in their accompaniment, and went against the Arameans, while Abishai marched against the Ammonites. I mean, seriously, this would be a great battle to go back and see. How did this happen? Insanely outnumbered, they divided their forces and attacked and smashed the opposing armies. Second Samuel 10.13 Then Joab and the troops with them advanced to fight the Arameans, and they fled before him. When the Ammonites realized the Arameans were fleeing, they fled before Abishai and went inside the city. So Joab returned from fighting the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. After the Arameans saw that they had been routed by Israel, they regrouped. Hadiezer had Arameans brought from beyond the Euphrates River. They went to Halam with Shobak, the commander of Hadiezer's army, leading them. All right. so Joab and Abishai drove back the kings from Syria and went to see David in Jerusalem to get him. What was David doing in Jerusalem, you ask? Well, we'll talk about this in the next episode. The mercenaries from Syria call upon another other nation from further north, and Shobak becomes their commander of their army. We don't have much on Shobak, but the legend of the Jews states he was of gigantic size and strength, and he was very tall, like a dovecote, whatever that is, and one look at him sufficed to strike terror to the heart of the beholder. Just put it this way, this Shobak was a bad dude, and the northern nations had clearly kicked off David's yoke and ejected their garrisons, and refused paying any tribute any further, and they were prepared to fight him. Second Samuel 10.17 When David was told of this, he gathered all of Israel, crossed the Jordan, and went to Halam. The Arameans formed their battle lines to meet David and fought against him. So David called upon all his militia forces to drive back the Arameans and other nations. By the time they get all called up and begin marching, we're talking about hundreds of thousands marching with their king. And David now takes charge. All right, so here we continue the cool story from the legends of the Jews regarding the monument and treaty made by Jacob with Laban that there would be a peace treaty between the Syrian nations and the nations of Israel. It appears at this point, Showback presents the monument to David, declaring legally that there should be peace between them. But David, who had already consulted his advisors, destroys the monument, and declared that long ago this treaty was already broken by your people, and there would be war. Isn't that cool? It's like some Ridley Scott movie script, when David smashes this monument and statue that was held up through the generations, only to be used as an excuse to receive a deceived mercy. 2 Samuel 10.18 But they fled before Israel, and David killed seven hundred of their charioteers, and forty thousand of their foot soldiers. He also struck down Shobak, the commander of their army, and he died there. When all the kings, who were vassals of Hadiazer, saw that they had been routed by Israel, they made peace with the Israelites and became subject to them. So the Arameans were afraid to help the Ammonites any more. This would be one of the last major pitched battles of this area, for the victory was so complete Solomon enjoyed peace during most of his reign with the northern nations. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, we've got to consider that moment again in the field when Israel's troops were completely surrounded. In a time of war, we see some of the best examples of brotherly love for one another. We began the episode with a quote from William Shakespeare and Henry V, the earliest known reference and use of the phrase Band of Brothers. The reference to St. Crispin was because the great battle of Henry V's day was on this saint's day, at least according to William Shakespeare. Stephen Ambrose published a book in 1992 titled Band of Brothers about the World War II 101st Airborne which was turned into a TV miniseries in 2001. Here's a few quotes from the book. The first one is from a veteran recalling a conversation to his grandson. Here it is. And thinking back on the days of Easy Company, I treasured my remark to my grandson, who asked, Grandpa, were you a hero in the war? No, I answered, but I served in the company of heroes. Isn't that powerful? Here's another one. Within Easy Company, they made the best friends they had ever had or would ever have. They were prepared to die for each other. More importantly, they were prepared to kill for each other. So if you've read the book or seen the TV miniseries or ever served in combat, try to picture this scene again with me because it's crazy from the perspective of two brothers fighting for each other and their people and their God. If you can picture the scene again, with the sounds of the military camp and horns and shouting men, surrounded by the fear of death and all the accompaniment of an upcoming battle. Two veteran soldiers stand before each other, with death knocking at their door, both men deciding to not give in to fear, but strengthening themselves. Instead, they would divide their army in two and attack a more numerous enemy. Joab said, I will attack the Arameans. If they are too strong for me, help me. You attack the Ammonites. If they are too strong for you, I will help you. Be strong, my brother. Be brave, for our people and the cities of our God. For the Lord will do what is honorable in his sight. Two men, two brothers, showing devotion to each other, possibly to the very end. Be brave, my brother. Be strong, my brother, for our people and the cities of our God. We must be strong and courageous, for God will do what is honorable in his sight. What a model for how to act and how to live and to walk with our brothers. To not give in to fear and cower down and to never give up, but to encourage each other even unto death. To walk bravely and fight courageously in this life and to believe that God has your back and will do what is honorable in His sight. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we discuss David's fall from grace. Feel free to visit the website messagetokings.com, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings@gmail.com. at gmail.com.